It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March 26, 2015. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here as, as usual. Dad, hello. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to our study. Looking forward to our study as well. Jeff is behind the controls. Jeff, glad to have you back. It's been a while. Glad you're here. You're ready. Oh, no. Oh, okay. uh, and we're glad that... Uh, he's, he's, his fingers are flying on the keyboard. And, there, we're, so. and we're glad that uh, you're listening as well. We look forward to hearing from you, 877-381-4567. Jacob, a couple things, a couple housekeeping items before we get into our study tonight. One is, uh, I want to begin to announce for our listeners in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, on April... Uh, let's see, it's going to be the 16th, uh, 17th, 18th, 19th, right. April 17th, 18th, 19th. That's a Friday night, Saturday morning, and Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a special weekend Bible study conducted by Donnie Rader. Many of our listeners in Middle Tennessee will know the name Donnie Rader. Uh, Donnie preaches in uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee, and he has been on the virtual Bible study with us uh, in the past. But he's going to be here to conduct a weekend Bible study on things that have caused division among churches of Christ. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, there are lots of churches of Christ, even many in our own area, that we are alienated from. We we don't agree on certain Mm -hmm. doctrinal things. And so Donnie's going to teach a weekend session on what are those issues, uh, sort of identify them, and then try to... uh, acknowledge what the Bible teaches on those subjects. So it's going to be 7 o'clock Friday night, the 17th. Uh, then Saturday morning at 9.30 and 11, two yeah. lessons, Saturday morning, 9.30 and 11. And then we're going to have our evening service in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday at 2.30. Okay. So there'll be four lessons, Friday night, two times Saturday morning, and Sunday afternoon. And you can get on – by the way, I put a – I put an announcement of that on our homepage at collegeview.com. You can go there and get the details of the times and and the, the subject matter. All right. So look on our homepage at collegeview.com and, and see the flyer for that special weekend study. I think it's very important, very important stuff. We need to know. And uh, Donnie Rader will do a great job in teaching those principles. All right. Uh, look forward to that. Uh, and that's about three weeks away. Yeah. All right. Uh, the other Second thing. housekeeping. The other thing I thought we would mention is is uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but uh, j- just how to get to the resources on our Virtual Bible Study uh, yeah. website. We've got two ways you can listen to the audio of past programs. One is in your w- Window Media Player, Window Media Audio WMA format. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, a lot of people's a lot of people will do that if you're just going right. to listen on your computer. If you got a Windows computer, you're going to click on that and you're going to play it, uh, the audio in Windows Media. Audio. I guess that's what that stands yeah, for. WMA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then also, there's a there's a, a link there to the same programs in MP3 format. Right. And you might want to download those if you got a if you got an iPod or something like that, Better, the, that yeah. or an MP3 player of any kind. Download those and, and you can play them on your MP3 Better player. Yet set up a podcast receiver and then and you'll get now, them automatically. Yeah, you tell about that because I'm not really up on podcast. No, I mean, on podcast receiving. Yeah, or you set it up. You set it up on your iPhone, and it pops up there every. But night. you you go to to uh, iTunes or something like yeah, that. We're on iTunes. We're on uh, lots of podcast directories, or you can find out the link to our podcast feed on our website. Yeah, and so if you subscribe to that, usually by before ten o'clock, you know we about get done here at nine. About nine. Before ten o'clock, uh, it, th- that podcast will be up there, and if yep. you're subscribed to it, it'll automatically come into there you your. Go. Uh, uh, player and you'll be ready to listen to it maybe on your way to work Friday morning. There you go. So we got a lot of access to yes. archives of the virtual Bible study there. Yep. Also on, of course, our two websites are just completely integrated to one another: the, the virtualbiblestudy.com and collegeview.com. On the collegeview.com 
website. We've got uh, lots of past bulletin articles. Mm-hmm. We've got some selected sermons. Not all the sermons we preach here, but but we try to put one up a week. One up a week uh, in, in audio, and, and some of those are uh, also have a video. Uh, and they're also podcasted. You can that's find podcasted. the podcast feed at our website. And so if you and that's up on Thursday night too. And so then you can listen to the sermon on your way home from work there on Friday go. night. There so you go. so your commute on Friday is completely covered with uh, information that will come automatically to you if you subscribe to the podcast. There you go. All right, and you've got the video up there as well for on the some of the sermons on the program too. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, if if you don't want to just listen, if you if you care to look at our faces. We've got a, a, a link to the video of uh, the previous programs too. Now I don't, I haven't done the math, but we're really close to 500 programs, if not yeah. 500. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a 30-minute commute and you listen 30 minutes to the program on the way, 30 minutes on the way home, take you almost two years of commuting. Yeah. No, wait a minute. No, it would take even longer than that because you only well, what do you five gonna, days you, a week. Yeah, gonna, five days a week. So yeah. about. Yeah, 52 uh, weeks a year. So, yeah, 250. Yeah, it's going to be about about two years. Yeah. But we're going to be adding to it in that two years. Yeah, you, so you're going to have to hurry to catch up with us. So, yeah. So, yeah, we've got a lot of uh, material out there. So check out those <laughs> ways to listen to past programs. All right. Now. Uh, so let's go to our study for tonight. Yes, we tonight do. we want to talk about the subject of predestination. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. It's been a long time ago. but. There are a lot of people in the religious world who believe the the notion of predestination. I believe in it. You do too. Yes, but and see the, your email. I when I read it today, oh. I said, you, you said, "If you agree with the doctrine of predestination, where you most well, I agree with the doctrine. If you disagree with the doctrine, I disagree with some of the so." It wasn't very specific. Well, in but in as I introduced the subject. By the way, you this did. this went out to our. Uh, Email update list. That's another thing yeah. we've got going. Now, you can get on our email update list if you're not already on that. Send us an uh, email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, yep. add me to the list. Mm-hmm. And on Thursday, you'll get an email from us telling about the subject for that night's study, asking a few questions for your feedback. But we, at, uh, I said we plan to discuss the subject of predestination. Some teach that our eternal destiny is predetermined by God. Some destined to be saved, others destined to be lost. Is this true? Now, that's the that's the doctrine of predestination that I had in mind. Calvinistic, Calvinistic predestination. predestination. Yes. Now, certainly the New Testament talks about predestination. Yes, We're going to look at some of those yes, texts tonight. Yes, it is. And so, if I, I think you're right, and I hadn't really thought about that, if someone said, "Do you believe in predestination?" You better. Say You'd say yes, know. but you'd almost have to to explain that by saying, I believe in predestination of the sort that the New Testament teaches, not the sort that Calvinism teaches. There you go. All right. Uh, so that, that's, what we wanted, that's what we want to look at in our study tonight. Um, so I asked these questions uh, today to our update list. Number one, if you agree with the doctrine of predestination, what are your most compelling scriptural arguments? And again, uh, I, I understand I should have been more specific, but I'm talking about Calvinistic Calvinist. pre- Okay. I was that was almost a throwaway question because I didn't think I'd get any response from. Him. We didn't get any response to that, so uh, I was hoping I was hoping that there would be somebody who would try to take up a defense of predestination, but nobody offered to do that. In fact, we've been trying pretty hard the last few weeks, Jacob, to get somebody to interview us uh, from some some differing point of view, but we haven't had any any luck. So uh, I don't know if we're scaring them off or what, but. Uh, the people we've tried to contact to get them to interview with us about some of some issues are unwilling to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll just have to talk for them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we didn't find anybody who agrees with the Calvinistic predestination. If you disagree with that doctrine, what are your most compelling scriptural arguments? That was question two. Mm-hmm. Then what's the proper explanation of these favorite predestination proof texts? And we're going to look at four of them: John six forty four, Ephesians one three through five. Romans eight twenty nine through thirty, Acts thirteen forty eight and forty nine. We'll look at those in a minute. And then I thought, just as a really uh, maybe uh, something to keep people intrigued till the end of the program. What about Judas? Was Judas predestined to do what he did? Was he predestined to betray Jesus? A lot of things there that God had planned. Did he have to have? Judas programmed to do that. Did he predestine it? Was it was he locked in? Yeah. He didn't. He didn't have any choice in the matter. Uh, uh, I know people who believe that. Is that true? Well, that's that's the question we want. We'll to look ask. forward to hearing from you tonight. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com and join in the chat room as well. Randy from Swartz Creek, Michigan, 
got tired of being from Swartz Creek, Michigan. Tonight, he's in warm waters of Florida. What? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, appreciate you listening on your trip there, Randy. Hey, Randy, good to, good to see you. I'm glad you're out of that cold north wasteland in Michigan and down there in sunny sunny Florida. Sign in the chat room. Let us know where you're listening tonight as we talk about predestination on the program. And we're talking specifically about Calvinistic predestination. But when we talk about Calvinistic predestination, we're going to have to, by default, talk about what the Bible teaches about predestination and how we interpret uh, the passages that do say that God has predestined us. So okay, we'll talk let, about that on the program tonight. All right, as we get started, let's let's identify what Calvinistic predestination is. Let's yep. get it from the mouth of John Calvin himself, or from his pen anyway. Okay. Here's what John Calvin said. Predestination we call the eternal decree of God by which he has determined in himself what he would have to become of every individual of mankind. For they are not all created with a similar destiny, but eternal life is foreordained for some and eternal death for others. Every man, therefore, being created for one or the other of these ends, we say is predestined either to life or death. Okay. Now, that is uh, that's that is his quote on predestination and is part of the five tenets of Calvinism, and it's perfectly knitted together with those, those other doctrines of, of, of Calvinism. Um, and so, but this is the predestination part. It hinges on the first tenet of Calvinism, that being total hereditary depravity, in such that there's nothing that you can do in a direction towards God, that God has to move on you. And if he moves on you, then he's going to have to decide who he's going to move on, who he's not. And so, and then, and then that second condi- that second aspect of, of Calvinism is uh, unconditional election. No predestination. So you're totally depraved, but God has unconditionally elected you he yep. chose you you didn't choose him you he chose you specifically you and and then uh the, the next part of calvinism is limited atonement mm-hmm. jesus only died for those select ones he didn't die for everybody the next part is irresistible grace if you're if you're among the chosen you can't resist you he will come you will come to him and then the the last of it is uh, perseverance of the saints, uh, you know, that you, once saved, you will therefore always be saved. So that's Calvinism in a nutshell. We've talked about probably every part of that several times on the Virtual Bible Study, but we're we're focusing in specifically on, on Calvin's idea about predestination. Travis is in the chat room. He says he grew up in a Calvinistic church, and he remembers sermons telling us to go and preach the gospel, and he always thought, why? People are predestined. And that is a good point, and we'll talk about it as we go along Uh Travis was beginning to see some of the problems with harmonizing other scriptures, other instructions. If we are to take John Calvin's view of predestination, it can't be harmonized with other clear teachings in the scripture. True, true Calvinists don't evangelize. The, the, those who really believe to the utmost everything John Calvin taught do not evangelize. Yes. Uh, the ones in, in our territory that we're most familiar with that would take that view would be the primitive baptist the primitive baptist in our part of the world uh believe all thoroughly believe all components of calvinism and therefore they do not go out and try to to win the lost or evangelize and uh you remember the interview we had with shirley phelps roper of the westboro baptist church uh fred phelps's daughter and they're famous for protesting at the soldier's funeral so they're they're hardcore calvinist and she said they're just pronouncing God's it's not judgment. Their job. It's not their job to win people, she said. No. You know, when we ask her, don't you know that your tactics are uh, are offensive? That they turn people away. Uh, that you won't that you won't draw anyone uh, with, with those with that approach. And she says, not our job to We're draw people. We're just going to pronounce the judgment because God's yeah. already determined that. So yeah. if you're interested, go back in the in the uh, archives and listen to that interview. Yeah, the interview with Shirley Phelps Roper. That's because what was really interesting is she is what I would call you called her a hardcore. Calvinist, I'd call her a uh, consistent, c- consistent. Logical yeah, Calvinist. yeah. Yes. She's she's very logical. Yeah. I mean, she accepts yeah. the logical yeah. consequences right. of her position. Right. She uh, she is an ultra Calvinist. I guess yeah. that's the terminology yeah. I usually okay. use. All right. All right. So we got John Calvin's uh, quote there. Uh, here's one from the Westminster Confession. Quote: By the decree of God for the manifestation of His glory, some men and angels are predestined to eternal life, and others are foreordained to everlasting death. The Presbyterian Confession of Faith says the number of saved is so certain and definite that it cannot e- it cannot be either increased or diminished. Yeah. And then a man named S. T. Tolley, who 
this is an old quote. Years ago, he was editor of a publication called The Christian Baptist, which was a primitive Baptist publication. It was probably pretty primitive when this was written, too. It wasn't. There wasn't a lot of frills, probably, at that time. Yeah, he said, quote, There are many from among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people who will be saved from their sins, even those who have never heard the gospel of Christ. But it won't be because any poor sinner says yes. Primitive Baptists have always believed that it was unnecessary for the gospel of Christ to be preached in order that sinners be saved from hell. Oh, wow. You get the idea. Yeah. And that's what we were saying earlier. They don't evangelize. They don't feel like they need to. Okay. Wow. All right. So that sort of identifies what we're talking about. We'll get a break here. What's wrong with that? How pervasive is this doctrine, Calvinism? It's uh, fairly pervasive. We've seen uh, some Presbyterian quotes here, some Baptist quotes, obviously some Calvin Calvinist quotes. The, the, the pure, I think the pure Calvinists have, are dying off rapidly because they're not evangelistic. Mm-hmm. And, and so their numbers are diminishing consistently because they're not evangelistic. A lot of people take modified views of Calvinism. You know, they take part of it or they take part of it to a certain level, uh, but they they disagree or disallow other parts of the Calvinistic five-point system. They're, I think they're not logical and they're not really consistent in applying what Calvin but taught. But some remnants of Calvin's teaching are fairly per- pervasive in the denominational world right, today. We right. see little remnants of that. Right. Right. And this doctrine of predestination is somewhat, uh, well— Somewhat common. It's not yeah. definitely not an uncommon doctrine. We're going to talk about it on the uh, as we go along. We'll take a break. Get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Hi. My name is Mike Johnson. I'm a member here at the College View Church of Christ. Have you ever heard someone say that the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic? Generally, people say this when we say that we must be careful to follow all the commands that God has given us. When we say, God says we must do this, or God doesn't command us to do that, people respond with, the members of the Church of Christ are too legalistic. Well, while it may be impossible to know exactly what people mean when they make this accusation, if they are accusing us of being legalistic because we say that we should follow all the instructions that God has given us, then that accusation is correct. But let me ask you this. Which of the commands that God has given us should we ignore? Can we pick and choose which commands we follow, or must we follow them all? Jesus said we have to follow all the commands of God when he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We want to call Jesus our Lord, so we try to follow all the commandments that he has given us. Us. We don't in any way think that following God's commands earns our salvation, but we do think it is necessary to be pleasing to Him. Here at the College of You Church of Christ, we're trying to follow every command that God has given us. If, as a result, some people call us legalistic, then so be it. We think it's what God calls being righteous. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. Happiness will never come to those who fail to appreciate what they already have. Someone is, no doubt, praying to have the things you have and take for granted. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight talking about predestination. Uh, Calvinistic predestination is our focus. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about predestination, because it does talk about predestination. How do we understand those passages in a way that harmonize with other passages? That is the challenge as we talk about this. We believe Calvin, in his understanding of it, he has to trip over and step on a lot of other passages to make his view of predestination work. I think that's exactly right. In the chat room, guest 1630 said, Since I am totally depraved and not among the predestined, how does that harmonize with a loving, no respecter of persons loving God? I think that is probably the biggest problem uh, with, with this is that there's, the Scriptures plainly teach that God is no respecter of persons. Acts chapter 10, beginning verse 34, when Peter was at the household of Cornelius, he said, and of course, the significant there, here's Peter, a Jewish convert to Christianity, talking to Cornelius, who would become the first Gentile convert to Christianity. And Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. A very plain statement. God is no respect of persons. In fact, Romans 2, verse 11 says, there is no respect of persons with God. Now, we've got to contrast that with what John Calvin said. Here, your quote you read earlier, 
from John Calvin, predestination we call the eternal decree of God by which he has determined in himself what he would have to become of every individual of mankind. Yeah. Now that doesn't seem anywhere close to what Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, where God is no respecter of persons. And every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. In other words, God's not deciding, uh, you can't over there, you're not going to heaven, and you're going to go to heaven. God is accepting of, of all who will Well, that would, fear that would definitely him. make him a respecter of persons, right? If, yeah. I, if, if, if I said, I'm going to give Jeff $10, but I'm not giving you $10, yeah. Yeah. then I'd be respecting Jeff over you, right? right? Anybody would understand that. Right. So if God granted something a lot more significant than $10, if he granted eternal salvation to some and did not offer it or make it possible for others, then that would clearly be a respect of persons. You know... I just never have understood how Calvin ever came up. Of course, it didn't originate with him. The seeds of those thoughts. He was sort of an organizer of a of of theology that was had been around for a long time, for mm-hmm. centuries, mm-hmm. and he sort of put it in a package and, right. and became famous for it. But I never understood how anybody could come to that conclusion with that kind of statement. God is no respect for persons. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, well. Um, Ramona in Texas has responded. She says, uh, we have free will to consider. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some men understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. She quotes there, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but uh, wants everyone to come to repentance. Again, that does not harmonize with what John Calvin has said, or what the Westminster Confession says, by the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined to everlasting life, and others are foreordained to everlasting death. How is God going to choose that so-and-so is going to go to hell when he wants all to go to heaven? Yeah. Uh, did you mention Ramona references First Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4? Uh, God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, apparently he doesn't. If he's not even making it possible for some people to be saved, then then that's that wouldn't be a true statement. If God wants all men to be saved, yet he doesn't provide an opportunity to salvation for all men, then that would be a, an absolute contradiction. Can't be true. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com. We got an email from Anthony. He says, the idea of predestination simply runs afoul of many plain scriptures. All scriptures that clearly teach man must obey God in order to be saved are in contradiction to the notion that my salvation has already been granted prior to even being born. And he mentions verses like Mark 16, 16, Luke 13, 3, Romans 10, 10, Acts 2, 38, and so forth. Another verse, 2 Peter 3, 9, God is hopeful that all men will come to repentance. This means theoretically every human could be saved, and it shows that man has to choose to come to repentance and a right standing with God. Man is not born in a right standing. All right. Okay. So the idea of it is uh, that Calvinism, Calvinistic predestination, would make God a respecter of persons, and it would make him responsible for those who are ultimately lost, although he says he wants all to be saved. That doesn't make sense. Those concepts simply cannot be dovetailed. It's actually frustrating to think anybody could come to that conclusion. Another thing that I see, Jacob, that's wrong with this idea is that it would definitely destroy what the Bible teaches as free will of men to yeah. make a choice. Right. Uh, I think the Bible clearly suggests that we are agents of free will. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The instruction there for us all is, if you want to come to God, come to God, and you can have eternal salvation if you if you desire it, yeah. So uh, you know, of course, even in the Old Testament, there are some famous statements about choice. One the one of the ones that stands out is Joshua's statement, Joshua twenty four verse fifteen: uh, "Choose you this day whom you will serve." But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know that. Uh, and I understand that's Old Testament, and and we live under a different dispensation. But all through the scriptures, we read the idea that God has given man choice. You choose. You decide. Here's what I want you to do, but you decide whether you do it or not. Again, Calvin says if God wants you to be saved, you'll be saved. If he wants you to be lost, you'll be lost. 
yet we see a different picture. God's presenting a choice to people, free will. And we see it in the New Testament. Jesus, notice what he said in uh, Matthew 23, verses, verse 37, as he's decrying the situation with the Jews and how he wanted to save them, but they were unwilling to be saved. In Matthew 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered, gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. God wanted to save Israel, and they resisted it. Yeah. And we see right there in that one example uh, a, a refutation of this idea that God's going to save you whether or not you want to be saved, that he's chosen you and you're going to be saved and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, we already we already mentioned, I had several things listed here, Jacob, as problems with Calvinistic predestination. Uh, one of them we already mentioned is it nullifies the Great Commission uh, Mark sixteen fifteen go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We already asked why, and a Cal- and Calvinists admit they don't see any purpose in doing that, and yet Jesus said do it. You know, you know uh, that that doesn't make sense. Why would you go to preach and teach? Uh, uh, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. No, even even that statement suggests based upon what they've heard, they'll make a decision to either believe it or not believe it. It just doesn't make sense uh, with this Calvinistic predestination. Um, as we said earlier, Jacob, Calvinism teaches total hereditary depravity, mm-hmm. unconditional election, and then limited atonement, that Jesus really only died for those who were elected to be saved. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, if, God's I mean, only, if God didn't want them to be saved, then he wouldn't send Jesus to die for them. Yeah, so... Uh, so, you know, we didn't mention earlier, but that acronym for Calvinism is TULIP, Total Hereditary Depravity, Unconditional Election, Limited Atonement, Irresistible Grace, Perseverance of the Saints. Mm-hmm. That limited atonement, uh, if if predestination, if Calvinistic predestination is true, then Jesus didn't die for everybody. But the Scripture says he did die for everybody. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Well, no. Not if Calvinism is true. He didn't, he didn't taste death for every man. He tasted death for the predestined elect. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, that that doesn't work. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. First uh, John two verse two. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Second Corinthians five verses fourteen and fifteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should not henceforth that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but to, unto him which died for them and rose again. He died for all. Right. And then uh, we already mentioned First Timothy two four through six. God will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And verse six goes on and says, t- talking of Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Yeah. His, his salvation is available to all. It's not just limited. And therefore, if it's not limited, that tells us that God hasn't predestined some to go to hell, that he wants all to go to heaven. And so we just simply can't harmonize this idea with so many plain uh, scriptures in the New Testament. We're going to take a break, and when we get back, we're getting behind in the chat room, and we'd like you to add your comments there. When we get back, we're going to catch up in the chat room, and we'll take your thoughts over email, questions at collegeview.com, and the telephone line is toll-free and open, 877-381-381. Four five six seven. We get this week's bullet point. We talk about predestination on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Most folks stay quite concerned by developments in the news. With nations fighting nations and terrorists fighting everyone, it seems, there's good cause for alarm. Even in our own country, there are serious signs of unrest and strife. The Bible addresses these things and tells us how we ought to react as the people of God. First of all, pray. 
In 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning verse 1, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and givings of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Second, develop a strong determination to do right regardless of what may happen. We tend to take our great liberties for granted. The time may come when, for any number of reasons, these freedoms will no longer be ours. We need to resolve right now that we will be faithful to the Lord. No matter what happens, quote, we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 5, verse 28. Third, avoid worry. Matthew 6, verse 34 says, Take no thought, therefore, or as the New King James Version says, do not worry, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And finally, maintain hope. Hebrews 13, beginning verse 5 says, He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. No need to go over the website and what you can find on it, as we've talked about it already tonight, but that is uh, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we will remind you that uh, we welcome your comments at any time and your suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study or simply questions that you'd like answered in this format, uh, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about predestination on the program tonight. We're behind in the chat room, and so we'll catch up quickly there. 13, guess 1630 says, since I'm totally depraved and not among the predestined. Yeah, we got that one. We got we, we got did get the, it. We yeah, did yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, Travis references, uh, he says, reading the Gospels in a Calvinistic church they would read the Gospels, and I would point out that Jesus called his disciples, and some turned away. The rich ruler went away sad. And a Calvinistic view of, of Jesus would not allow his disciples, or uh, in, Cal- in a Calvinistic view of Jesus, would not his disciples just show up uninvited? You know, I was not popular in the Bible studies, he says. And so yeah. thank you, Travis, for that. Yeah, it would seem that if, uh, if in the Calvinistic view, Jesus wouldn't have to call them, they'd just start. Showing yeah. up and following him. That's right. Uh, and then Kevin in the chat room says, uh, he's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Good to hear from you, Kevin. The entire book of Hebrews is teaching those who thought they were predestined, that being the Jews, to turn their spiritual lives toward God. And uh, certainly a uh, good point there, Kevin. Thank you. He says, we need to recognize that God is not slack concerning his promises. As was said, man is the party that doesn't keep his part of the covenant. Uh, and certainly God does want us all to be saved. And uh, Brendan references 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, as we have here. He said, he references uh, for who, who God, speaking of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So God wants all to be saved. He has made it possible for all to be saved by sending his son to die, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so salvation is made available to all. Men have free will, and we've seen examples throughout time of men who use their free will to turn against God when God wanted to save them. And so we have lots of things that we have to harmonize with this idea of predestination, which simply can't be done if we're going to take Calvin's view of it. You know, another thing that's wrong with this whole thing is that all the warnings of Scripture are absolutely meaningless if... Calvinistic predestination is true. If if I'm going to be saved and I can't be lost, no matter what I do, and that's what they basically teach. You know, that's the that's the component of Calvinism that says perseverance of the saints. I can't so sin as to be lost. In other words, uh, I I was drawn unconditionally. I was chosen. Christ died for me. Right. I was drawn through irresistible grace. And I am going to persevere. It doesn't matter what I do, what I do or don't do. It doesn't matter. I mean, if if I'm a, a chosen person in God's plan to be saved, if if I'm predestined in that way to be saved, and you're not, then it doesn't matter what I do. I, and it, it, either before or after I'm called, it doesn't matter because yeah. I'm going to be saved anyway. Right. And, but the scriptures are full of warnings, like First Peter five verse eight: "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." Well, he can't devour me because I'm 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 a predestined to salvation. But again, it makes sense if I'm going to believe in this idea of predestination that I, I would have to logically conclude that there's nothing that I could do right. that, that Satan couldn't devour me. Yeah, but, but the, the verse warning says is he that could. he could devour you. Yeah. 
First uh, Corinthians ten twelve. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. First Corinthians nine twenty seven. I keep under this. This is Paul, this is Paul talking. The Apostle Paul. You think he was? You think he was at least? Could we pre, could we agree that if anybody's predestined, it surely must have been the Apostle Paul? Yeah. But he says, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So there's just a, a world of trouble uh, with Calvinistic predestination, and uh, it, again, I'm, I'm I'm pretty well shocked that anybody could have ever come to that conclusion. It just doesn't fit. Now, Calvin, no doubt, was a brilliant man. I mean, he he, I had, he, he must have had an incredible intellect. Uh, and I was studying with some folks, and they once said that Calvinism is a lot of brains and not a lot of Bible because it does. I mean, it's. Perfectly logical, and it all fits but, together. But you've got to take it all. You know, for instance, yes. many of our uh, right here in our own community, a lot of our Baptist friends want to take that perseverance of the saints part of Calvinism—that once you're saved, you can't be lost. But to be consistent, you've got to take everything that leads up to that, and that is that you were unconditionally elected. Christ died for you, and not for everybody else, and you were irresistibly drawn, and now you're going to be preserved. They like to grab that preservation of the saints, once saved, always saved, impossibility of apostasy. They like that. But to be consistent, you need to take the whole system. They do stand and fall together, and they they simply can't be sustained uh, and substantiated from the Scriptures. Anthony in in Columbia says the idea of predestination simply runs afoul of many plain Scriptures. All Scriptures that clearly teach man must obey God in order to be saved are in contradiction to the notion that my salvation has already been granted prior to even being born. He references Mark 16, 16, Luke 13, 3, Romans 10, 10, Acts 2, 38, etc. He also cites an, uh, ex, uh, another verse, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, which we referenced, uh, that God wants all men to come to repentance. This means that theoretically every human could be saved, and it shows that man has to co- choose to come to repentance and a right standing with God. Man is not born in a right standing with God. Thank you for that, Anthony, tonight. Okay. Um might might quibble with Anthony's last expression there. I think man is born sinless before God, but he sins and then falls out of that relationship right. okay. with God. Yeah, I think I, I, I think Anthony would agree with that. But but in other words, you're not you're not automatically in a covenant with yeah. God uh, uh, after you've sinned. Um, and then uh, David in the chat room says, "How do you know when you're unconditionally elected or selected?" That is a good question. Yeah, I, they, they seem to know those that I've talked to, but I don't know how you would definitely. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer to that. I don't know how they say, "Well, yeah, yeah, you must be, you must be among the elect." Uh, I don't know how they make that determination. Okay, um, let, let's go. Let's go to some of these proof texts they like to throw out there, Jacob. Uh, one of the famous ones is John, and I asked you about these in our update questions earlier today. One of the ones they really love is John 6, verse 44, but I think it's probably the easiest one to answer. John chapter 6, verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You're looking at verses they use to say, well, predestination is right because Jesus said this. Yeah, Jesus said the Father will draw him. No man can come unless or except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. All right, so there you have it. That, that's the idea. That's the idea of the so irresistible still, grace. He said, "I'm going to draw you, but I'm not going to draw yeah, him." That's right. It's, it's unconditional election and irresistible grace. Okay. All right. So that verse, if you read it that way, oh well, yeah, maybe that's what that. If teaches. That was the only verse I had. I might lean that way. Yeah, well, how about the very next verse? There you go. The very next verse goes on to say, And it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So how does the Father draw you? It's not by some irresistible grace. It's through hearing. They will be taught. And those who have heard and learned of the Father, that suggests they've believed what they've heard. Then they come to Jesus. They'll act upon that. Yeah, I mean, that that one's easy. I, I, I if I was if I was going to try to teach this position, I would not go to that verse because the context of that verse so clearly denounces their conclusion. Yeah. So uh, don't let anybody uh, worry you uh, with. John six forty four. That one's easy, and you know, in fact, if you make marks in in your in your Bible, 
draw a circle around 44 and then draw a line down and draw a circle around 44. You link those two verses together, and it just completely destroys that argument. All right. Uh, in the chat room, Grandy um, uh, says, if Calvinistic predestination is true, there was no reason for Jesus coming to earth. Uh, well, I don't know about that. That, that that's, uh, that's interesting. Well, I think that they, they would, would say, say that, they would say that, that he came plan. for the elect. Yes. You know, they, they, if it's true, then he, Jesus didn't do anything for those who were not elect. And, for, and, and as far as they're concerned, he, whether he came or didn't come doesn't matter. But I think the Calvinists would say, oh, he had to come for the atonement, the limited atonement of those who are elected. Yeah. Part of God's plan yeah, for yeah, redemption. Yeah. Uh, David says some seem some seem to have been selected for special roles, like John the Baptist in Luke chapter one verse fifteen. Would also say Apostle Paul he was selected to, to be carry the gospel to the Gentiles. How would you harmonize that with the saying that uh, predestination doesn't occur? Well, because that's not even what we're talking about. We're we're talking about whether you've been chosen to be saved eternally. Okay. These men were chosen for special roles or work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, but it but didn't override their free will. That it didn't override their free will, and it really doesn't. It didn't have anything to do about salvation. That was just an assignment, a calling to an assignment, a, a miraculous, a miraculous manifestation. In other words, both uh, John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul were divinely inspired, miraculously uh, uh, knowledgeable individuals. Uh, that didn't save them, but uh, they were chosen for a task, but it, that didn't mean that they were chosen for salvation to the exclusion of others. In fact, both of those men went to everybody, teaching them about okay. God. All right. Uh, Travis uh, suggests, suggests maybe that they know that they're elected or selected with infant baptism and confirmation. They say would say we're born in a covenant. Well, infant baptism does go along with this idea of Calvinism, and it uh, it goes along with the, the idea of total hereditary depravity, inherited sin. That's not unique to Calvinism. It's also prevalent in the Roman Catholic yeah, Church. Yeah, but I don't think Calvin was strong on those aspects about infants. But that's true. Maybe it wouldn't be Calvin. Yeah, but, 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 but it is. But the idea of inherited sin or total depravity, total depravity that's yeah. why they baptize babies. Yeah. Right. So maybe so. Okay. Uh, Kyle says, and lots of activity in the chat room, thank you for your comments tonight, everyone. Kyle says, if there is predestination, then you really don't need an entire Bible to tell you that. The apostles could have had pamphlets made up to let everyone know. The Gospels and letters to the churches are proof that there's a right way and a wrong way to live. Well, yeah, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense, Kyle. You know, uh, that's, that's right. Could yeah. have saved us a lot of paper here. Yeah, uh, very say, good point. You know, say, just, Kevin uh, says, the teaching process is spoken about so much in the New Testament. What would be the point if my free will choice wasn't involved in the process? I think you're exactly right. Okay. As we said earlier, you know, uh, this Calvinistic predestination destroys the, the, the logic of the Great Commission. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Lots of good chatter tonight in the chat room. Thank you. Let's go to another verse. We're going to have to hurry here to get these verses in that they like to use. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. We're almost up to break time, but let's get this one in. Paul said, Ephesians 1, beginning verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. No, oh, having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And then skipping down to verse 11, in whom we have obtained inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all in all, excuse me, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Oh, here we got now, two, We've got it twice. Yeah. Predestinated twice in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And then, well, and then verse 11, too. Skip, oh. skip down to verse 11. Oh, yeah, in verse 11, yeah. So. How do we? And well, there's the word. Now you guys have been saying that you don't believe in predestination, but there's the word. It says we're predestined. Yeah. How are you going to explain that? Well, you notice that when we started the program, we did say we believe in predestination, just not Calvinistic predestination. So we have a passage here that does say that God has predestinated us from before the foundation of the world. So before we even came on the scene, God had predestined us to some extent, in some way. So how are we going to understand that and interpret it? Well, we have to interpret it first and foremost, in a way that doesn't contradict these numerous other passages. I mean, we, we haven't even touched on all the passages we could talk about tonight right. that say that God wants everyone to be saved, that it is our choice whether or not we're going to be saved, 
So we have to harmonize Ephesians chapter 1 that way. Yeah, and I think the text, if we let it talk to us, will will show us the answer. Notice verse 3. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And he's talking about things in Christ. And it's those who are in Christ who have been chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before him. Well, how do we come to be in Christ? Through faith and obedience. Galatians 3, 26, 27 we're baptized into Christ, so uh, we're pre- so God, the predestination of God was I'm going to choose to save people who will come to me through Jesus Christ. Now he didn't say, and he didn't say I'm going to choose Jacob, but I'm not going to choose Jeff. He didn't do that. He said I'm going to choose a class of people who will be in Christ because, they, and they'll be in Christ because they heard the message, they believed it, and they reacted to it. And I, I, I predestined that, that class of people to eternal salvation. Those who will hear, believe, and obey are predestined in God's plan for salvation. All right, let's read it that way and see if it makes sense. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Who's he chosen? Church. In Those words, in Christ. Christians. Uh, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, who? The church, Christians, unto the adoption of of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So the concept of predestination there in Ephesians chapter 1 does not have to be a, a, a choosing of specific individuals. For that, for that, for that verse to make sense, it can could it 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 reasonable to understand that as being a group of people, the church, Christians, the saved. He's chosen all these things for us before the foundation of the world. I think that's it. Uh, Anthony says uh, this does not require Ephesians one here, verses three through five. This does not require the interpretation that specific individuals are predestined for heaven. It could also mean and must mean, based upon other passages, that God chose a plan of salvation, a means of redemption, before the foundation of the world. I think he's right. And Ramona says, before the foundation of the world can be misleading and Calvinistic. If God did not have a plan, we would be destined to be robots. Uh, Even God's angels sinned before man was made, and since the serpent was in the garden at the beginning, God knew man would be tempted. It is our choice to get on board the train, but it doesn't mean God will force us on the train. All right, I think that's a good, I think that's a fair way to to say it. Uh, those who believe this doctrine don't like the idea of the train or the bus, but uh, uh, maybe it, I mean that's not the only way we can understand it. But we see here that God has uh, well, He's chosen those who are going to be saved. He's chosen the the class or the the church. He's going to save the church. He's going to save Christians. It's up to us whether or not we're going to be. In Christ. All right, we got to take. Let's take our last break. We got to rush to the top of the hour. We got a couple more proof texts to look at, and then we got to ask about Judas. Oh yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover. Don't go anywhere. The verse of Bible study will continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in the line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. With tax season in full swing, a newly released poll says an overwhelming majority of adults don't believe it is ever okay to cheat on their income taxes, with most citing personal integrity as a reason to be truthful. 
When asked how much, if any, is an acceptable amount to cheat on your taxes, 87% of respondents said not at all. Only 11% said a little here and there, or as much as possible. 95% said personal integrity influences them to honestly report their taxes, while 63% said fear of an audit did. Only 41% said that they are honest because they believe their neighbors are too. That information is via the Associated Press. The Word of God says in Romans 13, verse 7, Render therefore unto all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back and going to the top of the hour. We've got lots of ground to cover. Real quick. we got to go quick on these last two, Jacob. Let, let me hit these real fast. A couple more proof texts. Romans 8, 29 and 30. It says, For whom he did know, he, did, he also did... Uh-oh predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. So the the progression there is he predestined them, he called them, he justified them, he glorified them. Well, how does he call us? Well, he calls by the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14 says we're called by the gospel, and the gospel was to go to every creature according to the to the great commission and so uh, then in romans 1 verse 16 i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the jew first and also to the greek and so again this is talking about the class of people that god chooses he chooses those who when called by the gospel will respond to it as they respond to it, they are justified, and then they are glorified when they receive the reward of the righteous. And so, again, uh, we, we, we've got to look at it that way because it's the only way it will harmonize with those other verses. So he's, he's, he's chosen to call us through the gospel, but that call is not irresistible. That call can be refused, and we see an example of folks who did that in Acts chapter 8. Uh, Paul here talking to – and Paul and Barnabas – talking to the Jews who had that gospel presented to them. God would have called them with that gospel, but notice they chose not to listen. Acts 13, verse 46, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, but seeing you put it far from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, though we turned to the Gentiles. The Jews had said, We don't want to hear it. We're not going to be called by that. We don't want it. They chose, it says, you chose to put it far from you. Exactly right. Okay. All right, so I, again... We got a basic rule of Bible interpretation. You can't understand one passage in such a manner that forces a contradiction with another passage, or God is the author of confusion, right. and He's not. So we got to harmonize them. And, and that's granted, that. That is, Romans eight may be one of the more difficult ones. To, and and to, the to one explore. more that we want to talk about is Acts thirteen verses forty eight and forty nine, which I think is also a harder one. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Notice, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. That almost the way that reads in the King James suggests they were foreordained, and then uh, therefore they obviously believed. They didn't have any option in the matter. Is the way you could read that. Uh, other versions are helpful. Here's a literal uh, translation from Barry's Interlinear. Hearing it, the Gentiles rejoiced and glorified the word of the Lord and believed as many as were appointed to life eternal. Uh, so again, those who were appointed to eternal life were those who believed. Again, it's talking about the class of the of the saved. Yes. The, the ones God chooses to save were those who would believe. All right. All right. Uh, that, that's a harder one, too. I think, it is uh, harder. I think those last two are the harder ones, but uh, hopefully... We've got uh, so many other clear passages, though, yeah. that we, have to, we, can't, we can't trip ourselves up and make uh, those contradict. Uh, uh, Anthony says verse 29 of Romans chapter 8 simply means that God chose a method of salvation before creation began, that those who would be saved would have to conform their lives to Jesus's and therefore become his brother. And uh, Ramona said, referencing Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, God predestined that in order for some to be saved, they must conform to the image of Christ. We are to mimic and obey him. So thank you for those. Okay, now what are we going to do with 
Judas. Your stumper question. The question. What about Judas? Was Judas predestined? Is he is he a classic case of somebody who was locked in and had no free will choice in the matter? He 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 was doomed. He was destined to do this dastardly deed, and he couldn't have done any different if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, you know, what it about was that? even foretold in the Old Testament that uh, one of these close to Jesus would betray him. How's that? I mean, before okay. he's even okay. born, well, there's there's passages that say he's going to do this. Well, it said somebody was going to do it. Somebody was going to do it. It didn't, didn't yep. name Judas. Yep. But yep. let's look real quick. In Matthew 20, how much time we got? Five minutes. Okay. Five minutes. In Matthew 26, you know, the, the, the so-called Last Supper, and... Uh, it says in Acts 26, verse 20, Now when even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and began every one to, of them to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for him, it had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. It almost like Judas didn't know that this was about <laughs> well, to... Was I the one that was predestined? Yeah. Oh. You mean it's me? Oh. Well, actually, that was a that was a hypocritical, fake question. He, Judas already knew what he was up to. Because earlier in the same chapter, back up to verse 14... Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Judas acted like, You mean it could be me? <laughs> well, he knew it was him. He had yeah. already been negotiating to, to betray Jesus. Yeah. Which So, um, you know, uh, the, the idea that he was just irresistibly committed to it is not true. And Jeff has got his hand up. Jeff, haven't heard from you tonight. Uh, go ahead. Um, I believe this shows, you know, what we always know, that God knows what's going to happen in our lives. But there is a – we have the ability to make the choices that affect the I think that's key, Jeff. There's a difference between foreknowledge and predetermination yes. or predestination. Right. Right. In other words, God, God can know all of the future – Right. Without affecting the outcome of the future, which is, which I think is a concept that our feeble mortal minds can't quite grasp. Because you know, if I know the future, I'm going to react to it. But God can know the future without reacting to it. Um, as proof of that, in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Christ was delivered to, up to death by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. God knew what was going to happen. Well, if, if, if he if that meant that he caused those people to do it, Judas and the others who conspired together to result in the death of Jesus, then why on the day of Pentecost were those people held accountable for what they did? And when they asked what shall we do, they were told to repent and be baptized. If they were if if they were irresistibly forced into that action, then you know, how could they still be held accountable for it? But right. God held them accountable. So I think Jeff's point is exactly right. There's a difference between God foreknowing something and forcing the outcome of something or predetermining or predestinating something. I think Judas always could have refused to do that. God would have resulted, God would have used other, other means. means to accomplish his purposes. Judas was accountable. You know, when after the deed was done, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 4, Judas tried to give the money back, remember? And he didn't say, oh, man, I couldn't help myself. I was forced into this action. I didn't want to do it, but, I, you know, I was forced to do it. No, what he said was, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood, Matthew 27, verse 4. Uh, say what you will about Judas, but at least he owned up to what he'd done and accepted the accountability and responsibility for what he did. He he could have chosen differently, but he didn't. All right. And then he says, God knew that Judas would betray Jesus because God is omniscient, but God can know the future without influencing. And if he chooses, he can also influence the future through providence. Uh, again, if he chooses, Jesus, Judas was a free moral agent like the rest of us. There is no scripture to support that God handpicked Judas Iscariot to be the betrayer of Jesus, but he could know it without causing it to happen. So yeah. I could know what was going to happen without causing it to happen. And Ramona says, uh, no, he always had an out. 
not to portray Jesus. He chose wrong. He never pled, I could not help myself. Satan made me do it, but rather he confessed, as you referenced there, Matthew 27, verse 4, that he had betrayed innocent blood. Also, before the betrayal, Satan entered into Judas uh, called Iscariot, who was the number of the twelve. Judas ignored the Holy Spirit. He had the same opportunities to listen to the Spirit as did the other apostles, but he chose not to respond, and that is the cause for all unsaved people today. All right. Uh, we're out of time, right on time. We got through that. We had to hurry there at the end, but I, I do think that's the answer about Judas. All right, good. All right. Uh, well, and Kevin says, could, could we assert that all the disciples betrayed him, not just Judas, where where they were in the garden at trial along the road? to They all to forsook him, at least. Yeah. Uh, Peter Judas, were, Judas was different. But, but and, sorry, betraying him. They, they, they Peter denied, Peter denied, denied him. him. Yeah. The others forsook him. But it was Judas who betrayed him. So there's, there is a difference, I think, of, 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 of those categories. And Travis summarizes it well for us tonight. The parable of the seed and the sower seems random where the seeds land, but the difference is what the heart is made of. And, and that's, the, that's a good summary of what we believe. It, it's, God has presented the gospel to us. Will we accept it? Will we allow that seed to grow in our heart? That's up to us. God hasn't chosen it before time that we're not going to listen. It's up to us. Will we listen? Will we submit? Will we, will we be obedient to him? Yeah. All right. Good. All right. I think that's an important discussion. There's a lot of false teaching in the religious world. We've touched on a lot of it tonight. Uh, the Bible's pretty plain, I think, on that subject. Appreciate the, the discussion tonight. Jeff, thank you for being here to help us with the discussion. And thank you for being on the other end of the line listening to the program. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Hope you made plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.